Hi there, and welcome to a last episode of our third season of the podcast, What Are You Going To Do With That? from the Minerva Center at the University of Haifa. Today is going to be a little bit different than all the other episodes, because I'm not speaking with one particular guest. Today, I'm talking with our editor and producer, Ido, because it's the last episode of season three, so we're going to have a little bit of a review. We're going to be talking about our favorite moments of the last season, as well as some of the takeaways from it. And we're also going to talk about changes that happened to us behind the scenes. So hi, Ido. Welcome back to the spotlight from behind the scenes. Um, how are you doing today? Uh, hi, Danny. As always, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> you don't need an invitation, though. You're part of this podcast. We're doing this together, uh, even though they don't hear your voice that much. So now it is your turn to speak up. Um, what are your uh, general ideas of the last season that we had, season three? I think that it was a, a, a special season because you know in season one we got to learn how to do things in season two we got more comfortable doing everything we've done with the podcast in season three we actually came uh, with some agenda we know what we want to talk about we know what issues we want to bring up we want to talk about you know uh, publishing we want to talk about uh, living or uh, withdrawing from the PhD, right. and we want to talk about sexy stuff like jellyfish uh, and pornography, and right. we want to talk about uh, with our friends as well. So we had everything uh, within one season. That's right. I definitely, as you said, felt much more comfortable with hearing myself over and over again now in this third season. Uh, so that helped me a lot with being more comfortable um, hosting our guests. Um, and it was fun, like you said, to have some friends. I had my rugby captain as one of our guests who finished her PhD, which was mostly very secretive. So that was interesting. Um, and I also had a guest that I met when we both started doing our PhDs and uh, talking about our interests and maybe topics to write about. That was Yara, who then continued writing about um, relations between Russia and Ukraine. So it was also just a lot of fun, right? Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about key moments from that season. Uh, anything that, when you think over about that season, when you go over that list of guests that we had, that impressive list of guests that we had, any moments that you that comes up and you know, you know what, this is a moment that I actually remember from the interview. And I'm not saying it changed your life or your PhD or anything like that. Would be nice if it had, but just something that you remember. Well, something that I really liked about this season was, again, the diversity of topics. Um, I was so interested to be talking to a weather lady from Finland uh, who was then going to talk to me about anything that I see every day on the news and that I check every day on my phone before I go outside, the weather, but that I don't know anything about as a topic and as science and as research. So it was a lot of fun to talk about that. And then what has stricken me when she was talking about it is that she one of the reasons that she started doing a PhD was because she didn't feel taken seriously. You know, as a blonde young woman on TV talking about the weather, she didn't feel like anyone was taking her seriously and didn't understand that there's science behind it that she had been doing. So she thought that if she would get the title, get the PhD, 
that in this man's world, she would be taken more seriously. And I thought that that was a really cool reason to do a PhD. And I hope that she is taken more seriously now. I have no doubt that she has been taken more seriously, even with or without the PhD, but because we talked with, uh, with her and we saw how, how impressive her knowledge right. is. So, yeah. We are talking, of course, about Ilona Langritter from episode 46, for those who actually want to go back and check that episode. And we definitely recommend that you do. Yeah, what about you, Ido? Do you have anything that stuck with you from one of the episodes while you were editing them? Um, well, for me, uh, I think I've said in one of our recaps before, for me, the interesting part is the pre-talk I get to do with the guests. I get to know them. I get to have a very... Uh, open and interesting discussion with them about what they've been through and what we're going to talk about. All in all, I've had so many great moments, but I think what I'm going to take from that season is that I think it was more than in the past, we actually had what we can refer to as Twitter friends, people mm -hmm. that we actually met through Twitter, or I met through Twitter, and we had them as guests on the show. And that actually allowed me to do real life, not in person, but at least in life interaction with people that I only met and interacted quite a lot with on academic Twitter. Yeah, that was really cool. There's, it wasn't just for no reason that I said in every episode, connect with us on our social media accounts, including Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, because we actually do connect with a lot of people and some of them ended up on the show as well. Uh, so that that was cool. And we have quite a following now on Twitter that uh, you are behind, actually, as well, right? How many followers do we have now? We have a bit over five uh, 5,000 followers on our Twitter account, on the podcast Twitter account, which is what you do is that, where the two is spelled like... The number two. <laughs> exactly. So go and look it up if you're not connected with us yet. And let us know what you think. And, and write comments, write reviews, interact with us because um, that's the main way for us to know what you think about our show, what you think about us, what we do. And if you have good ideas and, and maybe, who knows, maybe you'll be on our show in next episodes. Yes, that would be pretty cool. Looking forward to that. All right. Uh, another thing that you said um, going into this third season and being a bit more prepared, right? as host and editor and producer. Um, I also think we had a really cool new logo and a new look on our Twitter account and our Instagram Absolutely. account and everywhere. So the logo and everything else on all of our social media accounts uh, have been changed this third season. And that was done by the talented Metal Peach. You can find her at may.peach uh, on Instagram as well, if you're interested in any other logos. Um, it was just really cool that now we have something more professional. Absolutely. We got a lot of compliments on our new logo when we changed it towards that season. Yeah, yeah, that was right. And then with all the topics that you talked about, um, that we discussed also before we started this season and as we went along, um, what any topics were that we still wanted to talk about? In season two, we had an interesting conversation um, with an expert about microaggression, for example, which was a topic that then we really wanted to bring up. Um, so we thought about things like that for this season, the third season. 
So we talked about uh, publishing, academic writing. We did that with Professor Felicia Moore Menza in episode 50, which was great in and of itself to have an episode 50. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was impressive. <laughs> so as a special episode, the 50th episode, we spoke with her. She's the editor of this top tier journal. And she also wrote this book, Like Words Falling Onto the Page. And for me, the most useful tips um, was to learn how to reserve certain parts of the week only for writing, right? During which I don't plan anything else and I don't let anyone disturb me. And that way I actually get things done. And I didn't realize that not doing that had the opposite effect. So that was very helpful for me. So you've been implementing that? Yes. So now I have um, Tuesday mornings from the moment that I wake up until lunchtime that I'm only writing. I also write at other points in the week. So it's not like I only write only these hours. But if I I'm very busy and I don't get around it, then I know that I always have these hours in the morning on Tuesday to do um, something. <laughs> yeah. But talking about um, academic writing and trying to finish things and get things done, uh, you've been doing a lot of writing during this third season, right? Yeah, I've been doing, I've been doing a lot of uh, writing, trying to, I was trying to, fulfill my goal for the first season finish my phd i thought right. it would i would have done it by first season and i thought it would be done by the end of the second season but now that we are at the end of the third season i'm actually done i finished my phd a few months ago yay congratulations that was that was very exciting news um even though like you said you were hoping to have done it before you know through all of the stories from all of the guests that we've been speaking to that you're not the only one who was delayed for all kinds of reasons. Um, but it must feel really good to have that title now. Yeah, it's, well, to be honest, it's not necessarily about feels good about having the title as much as it is to not I don't need to work on that PhD anymore. <laughs> you don't have to get back <laughs> that to it. Heavy weight got lifted, and that—that's more than anything. Because I mean, the title is important. Don't get me wrong. And I—I I mean, at some point, I will get used to to present myself as a PhD. Mm -hmm. But uh, and I use it now only on formal letters or something like that. I okay. don't uh, use it that often. Um, well, except for my kids, I told them to call me Dr. Dad. <laughs> and do they? No, they don't. <laughs> but I mean, most of their lives have been a PhD candidate. Right. So yeah, they get, they got used to see me working on my PhD over and over again. They saw me getting frustrated about it from time to time. Mm -hmm. They saw me getting really excited when I had good moments and good writing streaks and, and they got used to see me as a PhD candidate. Alongside everything else I've been doing, they knew that I'm doing a PhD. And and now that it's over, the question is, so what are you doing? Now? <laughs> uh, and it's not even what are you going to do with that, which clearly is something that we care about uh, very much. But it's what the hell are you doing now that... Well, the PhD is done. Some of my time has been gained back 
and I need to rearrange the, the projects that I'm working on in order to move forward and to know what I'm, am I going to do with that. So I'm not going to be a good guest on the show because I have, <laughs> well, I think half of our guests said I don't know what am I going to do with that. At least half, I bet, I dare to say, yes. Yeah, but I have no idea what am I doing with that now. <laughs> but what is the first thing you did after you heard, okay, everything is approved? Did you take a little bit of a break or did you run to a next project? Or? I always have other projects. That, that's mm -hmm. why the PhD took so long. Uh, well, that's my excuse for why the PhD took <laughs> so long. Let, let's be more accurate. So I didn't jump into the next project because the next project was already there. But I did take some time off a couple of days just to enjoy the moment. Um, order some food, have some drinks. And then we enjoy that moment uh, for a couple of days. Um, yeah, so I took some time off. I think that's very important. Um, I mean, you were really done. So you were able, even though you have other projects and of course your kids and everything going on, to take a few days off. But it's something we talked about with a lot of guests. Like you need to take your wins, right? You need to enjoy the moments and the things that go well and then really enjoy them. And that's not even a little win. That's a big win. It, this is the biggest one. <laughs> yeah, that's a title changing win. Mm-hmm, so you managed to actually finish. You are PhD done, as the hashtag is on Twitter. Um, but one of the other things that we really wanted to talk about on our podcast was about um, those very many people actually out there who have at some point in their life started a PhD program and then um, didn't finish it, which could be for really a lot of different reasons, right? So in episode uh, 53, I spoke with Cameron Gooden, who withdrew from her PhD program. And I really wanted to have a guest with uh, that background who had left academia because it happens so often and it's not really talked about. And it's often only viewed as a failure. And I don't think you can look at it like that. Sometimes it just we talked about uh, with Pavle. Um, also this season, a lot about the right timing, being in the right place at the right time. And sometimes you're not at the right place at the right time. And then it doesn't work. And, and we talked about it for quite a long time before we actually invited Cameron to be on the show. That we want to address that angle we want. And we, didn't, we weren't sure how we want to address that. Whether to do a thematic episode like we did with macroaggression or just have a regular episode. And then we saw her uh, post on Twitter, which yeah. in which she very openly talked about her decision to withdraw from her PhD program. And then that was our trigger. That was like, yeah, let's get her on the, on the episode. Let's see if she's interesting, interested to be on our show. And we approached her. She was, she was very open about her story. And I think it has a very, very important lesson about understanding where you are and what is good for you and what is not so good for you mm -hmm. in order to reassess and think, well, maybe I should change the track. Maybe I should change the path and do something else 
and and I've been talking a lot, I've been tweeting a lot, and talking a lot about the point of no return. And there is a point of no return, especially in the PhD process, where if you pass that point of no return in your PhD process, and that's a very individual decision, very individual point for each and every one. If you pass that point of no return, it's almost impossible to withdraw from that from the PhD because obligations to yourself, your obligations to others, regardless of the circumstances, if you think that you've passed that point of no return, it is almost impossible to withdraw from the mm-hmm. program, no matter how hard it becomes. And that feeling of, I've passed the point of no return, and no matter how hard it com- becomes, if it becomes too hard, then the hard, the, the, the difficult times of a PhD can really crash you. Because mm-hmm. you're, you're in a dead-end situation where you have to continue even though the circumstances are sometimes even awful. But it, it's almost impossible to, to withdraw. And when Cameron said that she had to think about her situation, she basically, as I read it, understood that she hasn't reached that point of no return. Mm-hmm. And she was able to say, well... The, the the cost of staying in the PhD is right now too heavy and, and and too high comparing to the benefit of staying in the PhD. And therefore, she said, well, if that's the situation, I should quit or withdraw and do something else that will benefit my mental health and will benefit my social life and will benefit my career in a better way. And she did, and she's in, in a much better place right now. Right. She looks back at it also knowing that this was the right decision for her at that point. Yeah. She might do a PhD eventually. Yeah. She even said that she is thinking about maybe applying in the future um, about a different topic, maybe even in a different place, and but that she's good in the place where she's right now. So she has time to think about that, to consider that, and to envision how she wants to plan that out. The right time, the right place, the right supervisor, the right institution. You need a lot of things work well to do a PhD in, mm-hmm. in, in a good way. You can always do a PhD in a bad way, but it's not recommended. Right. And then think of all the things that even if you start off in the right time, in the right place, how many things can go wrong? Uh, in, in the first season, to go back there, I spoke with someone who was diagnosed with cancer during her uh, PhD. Someone who had terrible relationships with supervisors, uh, multiple people actually, but one I was thinking about in particular. And someone who also was diagnosed uh, to be bipolar during the PhD program. So there could be so many external things um, that could make it so much harder. And in this season, on episode 55, we had Yara uh, Barbieri, who was our guest. And um, what I took away from that episode and from her story is that real-life events can really totally change your research. And even um, the conclusion that you had in mind of writing for your dissertation um, 
because she was researching the Russian-Ukrainian dynamics before the current Russian aggression against Ukraine. And that really happened in the last months, last stages of her work, and it affected it very much. So I was glad to hear that she luckily didn't have to do anything over again, but that changing some of the arguments in light of the current events uh, was sufficient for her. So she is wrapping up as we speak, I believe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you have circumstances of life catching on you and you have a big war in Europe catching mm-hmm. up on you and your family and your topic. Yeah. yeah. That's combination. It affected her research, but it also affected her personally because she was really invested in this, right? Like her mother and her grandmother were in Kiev at the moment that the Russians invaded. Yeah. Yeah. But we also had lighter topics through the season. I mean, we talked about fairy tales. Yes. Um, and, and and we talked about the weather, as you mentioned. And yoga. And, and yoga, yeah. And I think we even had somehow two episodes talking about, uh, um, well, ty- versions of uh, uh, sex, I would say. Uh, we had... Sex from the pornography version. A double episode pers- that was. At that, on, on, yeah, on the perspective. And we also had, uh, that was Farnoosh on episode the, of the first episode of the season, the opening episode of the season. And we also had Ellie who talked about um, philosophy and sex. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a very diverse season. Yes, definitely. And again, uh, not only diverse in topics, also in backgrounds. Right, because um, Yara, for example, that we just mentioned, she uh, was born and raised in Italy, but half of her family is from Ukraine, and she kind of re um, was reintroduced to that background of her in a later stage of life. So she really connected back to her Ukrainian roots, and she's doing her PhD in the UK. So she is very diverse <laughs> in and of herself, and we had a guest. Um, on episode, let me see, that was uh, 58 with Estherina. Mm-hmm. She actually originates from the Orthodox Jewish community in Israel, um, which didn't allow her to really study anything. Um, and then when she started going to school, she figured out that eventually she really wanted to do a PhD. And now she is doing that. So that's uh, pretty cool too, uh, coming from such a background. Yeah, also like the story of uh, Harini, who, who really changed everything in her life, moving from India to the United States uh, for, her, for her master's and, and, and her PhD. And you can really learn how much she had to struggle with the changes. This is a topic that we've talked a lot about, about how... how difficult it is to relocate your life and move actually alone from one mm-hmm. state to another where she knows the language the language wasn't a barrier but the the culture was so different and when she ended up well she's still doing her phd but she ended up uh, in a position where she's helping other new uh, students foreign students to get accustomed to have a, a smoother transition that she had than the one she had. Yeah, yeah, she she really struggled. 
but in the end she managed to turn that all around like you said and and um, become that support for others who needed what she needed before so that was really nice to see um and we also see that dr guy cameron who was on episode 44 um was also really focusing very much uh on helping uh um minority communities uh, in Australia. He is a proud Whalewen and he, he was already a doctor, right? Uh, a medical doctor. Or no, actually now he's a postdoc fellow and he is also doing his uh, medical studies at the same time. So he's trying to tackle problems from all directions and that was really, uh, really cool. Really cool talk yeah. we had. Especially his volunteer work during the during the pandemic, trying to make sure that the minority communities, which sometimes have a different reaction to the vaccination, would be taken uh, both taken care of and taken into account when decisions are being made. Yeah, very important stuff. We even had guests uh, on this third season in episode 51. That was Helen Nichols, um, who is researching the mental health and we and well-being of researchers in academic institutions. So we didn't only talk about it with PhD candidates and peers um, while they were doing their work. We also spoke to people whose research that specifically was. So um, she was able to talk about uh, very common issues that she's seen with uh, young, with early career researchers. Um, mostly that they are stressed because they don't have any uh, security, right? They don't have any job security or income security. Uh, they often don't get a pension or anything, so they don't really have any future uh, prospects either. Uh, so that was very interesting. And I do hope that when she finishes that PhD and publishes it, that uh, academia and academic institutions will listen to it and take away uh, from her results and things that could be changed. Yeah, there was another episode that actually I cared a lot about. Um, it was uh, um, episode 48 with Ursula Schmidt. Uh-huh. Ursula actually participated in one of our workshops at the Minerva Center. Uh, we had a workshop on hate speech and especially online hate speech and she was one of the participants in in that and following that workshop I actually invited her to be a guest on the podcast where she talked about uh, online hate speech and especially um, visual hate speech so she's focusing on gifs and memes and this kind of types of hate speech and it was a very very interesting topic which i can also say was based on a very very interesting paper that you presented at the workshop which already got published by the way and yeah yeah she was it was that interesting and that good and and it was very nice combination of having someone that participated in our actual day job at the Minerva Center, rather than our what we refer to as our hobby of the <laughs> yeah. podcasting, and in, in uh, for the Minerva Center with this podcast. 
I really liked, I remember that I talked to her a lot about what hate speech actually is. Like, kids bullying other kids on WhatsApp is not hate speech, right? That is a different category, at least in academia, in the academic world. But it depends on why they are bullying them. Yeah, of course. If it's <laughs> if it has an anti-Semitic grounds, then it would be hate speech. Um, but then also, like, with the memes and the gifts that you were talking about... That if you joke about something, sometimes it could be so much more obvious that it is hate speech. But because it's a joke, people kind of let it go. Because they're like, oh, but it's funny. It's like not meant seriously or something. So it's just like when we talk with uh, um, Roderick Sawyer on, on the concept of microaggression. There's a lot of importance to the context in which things are saying in of hate speech. Whether it's... Ha funny meme or uh, offensive meme is a lot about the context in which it gets published and by whom it gets published right it's all about the context indeed so I was really excited about this guest uh, Jomana Kador that you also had a uh, pre-talk with and when you provided me the information that came out of that uh, because she is a senior fellow at the Atlantic Council and um, having a background in international relations and Middle Eastern studies, that is something that I was like, oh, this is going to be so interesting. Um, that was episode uh, uh, 49, by the way, if you want to look that back up. Um, so she's this senior fellow at the Atlantic Council, but at the same time, she's a doctoral student and she's studying comparative constitutional law at uh, Georgetown. Um, and in addition to all of that, so her day job and her PhD, she's also the co-founder of the Syria Relief and Development um, Fund, where they really help out uh, Syrians on the ground that are affected by everything that's going on there in the last few years already, because she has a, a Syrian background herself. Um, and we had very interesting conversations. Um, I, I really enjoyed how she was trying to connect more of what she's doing at the Atlantic Council and also trying to bring forward these policy briefs and looking at that from a more academic uh, perspective, um, doing the PhD and then bringing all of that together. But that's actually a thing of many of our guests have a side project that they, they address. So I've mentioned Rini, who is helping uh, new foreign students to get accustomed. But we also should mention uh, Farnoosh, who had her accountability... Accountability Buddies, yes. Accountability Buddies project, which helped a lot... Uh, of, of PhD candidates to actually finish their PhD. It was a, a kind of a writing support system mm -hmm. or joint writing, community writing, community writing. I don't know how you would refer to that, but they actually have a long list of people who actually managed to finish that PhD because of their activity in, in, in that group, including Farnoosh who finished her PhD uh, shortly after our, her episode on our, on our podcast. And it was especially important at the time that she started doing these accountability buddies, 
because it related to the pandemic and not being able to connect to any other PhD students anymore and maybe go to the library together or sit in an office together and then, you know, have that accountability. So she decided to do that online to create this safe space where people could check in and uh, help each other out. So she really, in an important and difficult time for a lot of students, um, managed to set that up. So that was really great. Have you ever tried any of these community writing places on, on online? So I really thought about that. But as I had just moved to Germany, I didn't know who to add to this group simply because I didn't I didn't meet anyone yet. But then the university here started doing what they called writing sprints. And they did that on Zoom as well. So it was very similar. It was just they had a mailing list. So they were able to set that up. Yeah. So I... I logged in once to kind of a random room zoom room that i saw on academic twitter and i logged in and i saw all the people sitting and writing some of them used uh, put the camera on some of them some of them didn't uh, put the camera off mm. and i have to say it wasn't for me no it was too weird for me just to, <laughs> i mean i didn't get the point of that i get that other people enjoy that and get the feeling of a library kind of way um, but uh, it wasn't my thing at all <laughs> well these things are very individual right for me the way the university did it was very nice because it was actually guided by this um, editor that um, is at your service so whenever you would have written something you would be able to also forward it to her and then she would give you feedback on it so nice. that was very motivating as well. <laughs> you know what I did find useful in a certain way? I haven't used it often, but once I, when, when I did it was quite well. When someone said on Twitter, um, I'm going to write for the next three hours. Who's going to join me? On, okay. on, and, and I said, well, I'm going to write now, so I'm going to join you. And there was no Zoom. There was no um, way to verify that both of us actually sat down to work. But at the end of the three hours, we actually checked on each other and said, well, how, how, how did you do? And we both actually sat down and worked. And because we promised each other, and we didn't know each other, it was very someone random on academic Twitter that posted that, because we promised each other, that we were, are going to sit down and write, I, w I felt more productive and more uh, driven to sit down and write for those three hours than I would have without that. So that was quite useful for me without actually logged into some kind of uh, Zoom setting. Right. It's somehow this connection, right? Like you... Mm -hmm. need to know that you're not doing it all alone and that no one really cares whether you do or not. But someone cares always. Cause a supervisor. Uh, well, <laughs> it depends, I guess. Your supervisor wants you to finish the PhD. In There's general, no doubt yeah. about that. Uh, whether because they want you to finish or because they want you to finish already. Uh, <laughs> but your supervisor wants you to finish your PhD. That's for sure. Otherwise, they wouldn't take you as a, a um, supervisee to begin with. Mm -hmm. I think you could say that, yeah. So uh, what we had taken away from um, 
the episode with Joanna then is that a lot of um, our guests have been doing a lot of side projects in which they have been supporting um, others as well. But something else that uh, Joanna did was combining research and policy, right? And that is something that we also had our last guest uh, on this season do. That was Dr. Mariana Rocha de Souza in episode 59. She mm-hmm. was um, at first researching jellyfish and then later corals, and especially how climate change affects these corals, which is very important nowadays as climate um, change research is also becoming more important given the circumstances. Um, So she was doing that research. She was studying and doing that on Hawaii while being a marine biologist. So I think it's pretty close to paradise you could get if you're a PhD student. (laughs) Yeah. Well, generally speaking, to be diving in Hawaii and actually gain a PhD out of it. Right. uh, That's a dream. Exactly. And so she left that after finishing the PhD and had to continue, well, had to, she applied for it. She continued with a um, a one-year program that was funded um, in Washington, D.C. to be involved more in, yeah, in policy because she didn't only want her research to stay in uh, the academic world. She wanted to be heard and she wanted policy to be affected by that. So, And she wanted to learn how things are operate how things operate on that side on the mm-hmm. executive side of things yeah so that her science communication her psychom could also reach so much further if she would understand right and learn how uh, policymakers think and work she has also been taking part of the skype scientist so she so she wasn't only psychom she was also science education right activist and and that's a whole different aspect of psychom that we haven't had a chance to really go deep into and maybe future episodes will try to address that question more the question of science education right and science communication yes education um also important i think that esterina also uh touched upon that a little bit um but maybe this could actually be a really nice idea for another thematic episode. Which brings us... To the next season. To the next season and the, the big change that the next season will have to, to face. Yes, we definitely should. So I guess um, this is my turn to announce that this was my last season as the host of What Are You Going To Do With That? Yeah. Unfortunately... It is time for me to focus on the end of my own PhD journey. Um, I have learned so, so much from all the other guests that have helped me through my own journey. But now I really need to focus on finishing it, just like you have. I am a bit sad about it because I really loved working on the show. It's like you said, I really viewed it as a hobby, not necessarily as as a job, right? Uh, And I enjoyed so much talking to people from all over the world, all kinds of different backgrounds, fields. Um, And it really stood out to me that even though I talked to people who were diagnosed with cancer, who had terrible experiences, uh, the pandemic and everything that could have possibly gone wrong during (laughs) a PhD journey, uh, and also being rejected over and over again, um, articles getting rejected, funding getting rejected, conference applications getting rejected, 
everyone I talked to eventually had a positive vibe, right? They were positive about their work, uh, even though they were humble about all the crazy things and amazing things they had achieved. They were eager to share their journeys with me. And I appreciate that very much, that they opened up and, and shared that with everyone. And I'm definitely going to miss that. We are going to miss you. And I have no idea how we will approach the next season. Who is going to replace you? Because it's going to be very, very difficult to replace you. And I mean, that project began with me pitching the idea and asking who wants to be the host of that show. Mm -hmm. And you jumped and said, yeah, I want to be the host of that show. I'll be that host of the show. And then that journey of that podcast, podcast actually began. Right. Um, so that podcast never existed without you. And it's going to be very interesting to see how we will follow up from here. Mm -hmm. And who will replace you and how it will be done. But... I need to to get two promises for you. Okay, what is that? The first one that you will actually still listen to the show once <laughs> you're not on it. I can totally do that. And the second one is once you finish the PhD, you're mm -hmm. going to be a guest on our show. <laughs> I'd love that. I would really, really like that. And then everyone can hear my story as well. Even though I feel like everyone who's listening to all the episodes already knows everything there is to know about me. They know parts of it. Yeah, if you've listened to all the episodes, you could get these bits and pieces uh, together. The puzzle of Danny's PhD. Yes. <laughs> and the journey and everything around it. Yeah, yeah I, I really do hope that you find someone uh, who is as excited about hosting and about talking to all these uh, early career researchers. Um, I can't imagine that there's no one out there um, who is that passionate about it. I need to like them as well. I need to <laughs> work with them, right? So that's going to be the struggle. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sure it will be fine. It's going to be fine. You have the pre-talks. We always had a very uh, good structure of working together. Right, And if you uh, keep that up with the next host, then I'm sure the quality of the episodes will stay the same and maybe even improve. Let's keep the same as a starting point. <laughs> that would be good enough for me. So Danny, since this is your last moments as the host of the podcast, I want to reverse the last short questions towards you with kind of manipulation on... on the type of questions that I will ask you. Okay. So the first question, what has been the biggest influence of the podcast on you? Wow, the biggest influence? I definitely think that it made me less of a perfectionist in the pursuit of my PhD. And that maybe sounds like a bad thing, like I don't have that drive to be no, a perfectionist anymore. But it actually really showed me that I can let go of the stress of completely controlling every tiny little bit of the whole journey the whole time, which I've learned from the journeys of others is not possible because there could be so many things changing uh, that you can't control. So, so why bother, right? And let that stop you or let that weigh you down. So in a way, it made me much more relaxed about my own journey 
that it might change a lot and that that's okay, that I can deal with that. It might even take longer than I want it to be and I'm okay with that now. Um, so, so it made me much more relaxed. And I think for me, that was very important <laughs> to be able to finish this. Yes. Okay. And now the second question out of the last three. When you think about the whole 60 episodes, right? That's a um, significant That's a amount of episodes, yeah. a lot of guests. We had 19 guests per season, right? Mm -hmm. So that's like 57 guests wow. that we've had. Out of those 57 persons, I'm not asking you to name a person. I'm okay. not asking you, I'm not calling you that. Please don't. <laughs> I don't have a favorite. <laughs> what is the topic that keeps resonating with you from time to time? The topic... Wow. Topic doesn't have to be a topic of research. It can be topic within the conversation. Something that comes up over and over again from time to time. Well, there's a lot of things that keep coming back um, with everyone that I speak to, right? Um, everyone's journey is very unique and everyone goes through it in their own way. But there's a lot of things that keep coming back and that I've also struggled with myself that I also repeatedly have seen. So that I also, whenever I was speaking to others, always reflected on um, in my own journey. And that is, uh, I have to say, the rejection uh, that academia comes with, right? Like I said, your papers get rejected by reviewers or by your supervisors. Um, experiments fail and go wrong and you can't work with them and you have to do it over again. Uh, you're trying to apply for funding to get through the next research period and then you don't get it. Or There's just so much where you can hear a no instead of a yes in uh, the world of academia that that's very difficult to learn uh, how to grasp and how to handle um, as a PhD student when you're introduced into all of this. And I, I really wish that that was spoken about more, especially to people who are just starting with their PhDs, um, so that it becomes, if it's normalized and everyone shares that these things happen, then it doesn't hit you that hard when it does, right? Um, so that is something that I was always hoping that my guests would share with me some of the rejections and the no's that they had heard. Sometimes I was digging a little bit for that and I felt bad about it because I didn't want to put anyone on the spot, but that is what I needed to hear. Absolutely. Uh, and I think in a lot of cases that did work and that they were open about it, um, but that we were able also during the episodes to counterbalance that. It's like, listen, these things were no, but you also had a lot of yeses and a lot of things did go well and you're here where you are now because of everything that happened. So it also has uh, had a positive twist to it at the end. Nice. And now to the last question. Okay. I'm As you know, the last question is always the easiest one. <laughs> what do you do right after you finish an episode? <laughs> well, usually I finish my drink because I don't always <laughs> finish my whole alcoholic drink, my uh, classic amaretto during the episode because I do want to try and focus as much as I can on what the guests are saying. So then usually when I finish, you know, I need to collect all the material and send it over to you so that you can work 
with it. Um, but then I take it easy. I have that those last sips for my drink. And I usually let everything that we talked about run through my mind a little bit. Um, sometimes if my partner is around, I discuss a few things with him. And I was like, whoa, this was so interesting. Or like, oh, you can't believe what happened to this person that I just spoke about with and about. Yeah, and then uh, I go on to the next thing. I, I have done recordings at night, early in the morning, in the middle of the day, uh, when I was hungry, when I was uh, <laughs> sick. <laughs> sick even. yeah. So uh, it depended a little bit on what time of the day and what kind of situation it was and what I did afterwards. Um, but I tried to enjoy it as much as I could also after after the actual recording. So we started that podcast two and a half years ago, I think, if we look at the dates, with the idea of doing it, everything at the Minerva Center. Mm-hmm. That was the plan. Having people over and, and we had the amazing, we have amazing equipment there mm-hmm. that could have been very useful for recording a podcast. But then very quickly life changed and we had COVID in our life and, and things changed and we had to become a very global well we didn't have to we had the chance right. to become a very global podcast we took that chance and I think that was one of the best decisions we've made and, and I'm so glad we did we've met so so many people and you've had the chance to talk to such an interesting group of people and I actually stayed in, in, in touch with several of them and from time to time I check up and see how they are doing and what has developed since the, they've been on our show so I think that that podcast apart from becoming very educational it had an interesting effect over my PhD over the way I approach academia mm-hmm. and actually hopefully even more than that and and having you as part of that I think made it all very smooth and fun and very very easy going yes we had a we had a very good partnership right like we didn't get yeah. angry with each other at least not that I noticed <laughs> Uh, Not that you know of, you mean? Yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> exactly. No, but we've uh, um, we've had a good run. Yeah, and and it was just yeah. so much fun. So that was the most and now important. it's time for a new generation. So let's see who's gonna be the host of the show for for the next season. But as for our guest, we hope you gonna stay with us even without Danny. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know she. Danny was and is the voice of what are you going to do with that podcast and if you want to listen to more of Danny you can just start listening to all the episodes from the beginning a lot of episodes <laughs> great yeah don't go anywhere that's it uh, that's our show for today yes so thanks again for listening right do write us do connect with us on all the social media accounts not only Twitter with you but also Instagram with me Uh, And don't go anywhere, right? I will be around. I can't imagine letting go completely of, uh, of the show yet. So stick around to see what happens next. And if you stayed this long with our this episode, please don't forget to review, subscribe, and write us a nice 
comment or, or, or rating us on your favorite podcasting app.